I'm Paula Jenkins, a transformative life coach and podcaster. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that talks about the stories of people following their hearts, finding work that lights them up, and looking at how joy plays a part in their journey. To learn more about this podcast or to find out more about me, just head on over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of Jumpstart Your Joy. On today's episode, I have an interview with Jennifer Lee. And if you're an entrepreneur or a creative or both, you're really going to want to stay tuned because it is an awesome conversation. Before we get to the interview, a special welcome to all of the new listeners and all of my lovely returning audience. Thanks, you guys, so much for listening and coming back. If you guys don't know me, hi, I'm Paula, and I am a transformative life coach. I work with women to help them find more joy in their lives after kind of hitting that crispy, burnt-out stage in their corporate life. I am a recovering project manager and used to work in advertising and tech, and I offer one-on-one sessions and packages over at my site at jumpstartyourjoy.com. Here's the exciting thing that's going on this week. As part of the multi-passionate must-haves bundle... I'm having three guests on this week, which is unheard of. I usually do one episode a week. So this week's lineup is My Carl's is my Tuesday episode number 37. Jennifer Lee is my Wednesday episode. She's episode 38. And on Thursday, I have Corey Huff on. And all three are part of the bundle. All three are just amazing, multi-passionate people with so many amazing things to share. And I invite you to go back or forth. (laughs) And I invite you to join me all week for these exciting interviews. I will also be pointing to the episodes with Michelle Ward and Emily Wapnick because they've both been on the show as well. So it's really a multi-passionate party over here at my place this week, and I could not be happier to be hosting it. Also, the big thing that's going on this week for all of us is the multi-passionate must-haves bundle. So if you guys haven't heard about this, it's going on May 17th through 19th, and this is 2016. It's an amazing bundle of 14 products, all e-courses and downloadable items. Many of these are not available anywhere else or have been re-released, but 14 products. And if you did the math, the value of these is $1,599, so almost $1,600. If you order during the 72 hours it's available, you only pay $97. It's an immense value. So what do I love about this bundle? Well, so Michelle Ward has re-released Her epic guide, (laughs) An Effective Escape, which is literally the guide that I used to plan and save for my own corporate escape back in January of this year. I know she'd taken it off of her site and doesn't offer it as a single offering anymore. So really, like this is an awesome opportunity to pick up something that I totally used and love and have wished she would re-release. Emily Wapnick is putting her business, her multi-passionate business plan book out for this, which is something I was going to buy anyway. My Carl's Life is Messy planners are included as well. They're an amazing way of letting a creative, multi-passionate person organize their day. And as a recovering project manager, I totally love this. And last, I also am including my own Jumpstart Your Podcast Guide. It's a six-module boot camp, and it's a guide that goes along with my Jumpstart Your Podcast class. I'm not releasing this anywhere else. So it's your only planned opportunity to be able to pick it up. It's six modules. It's over 40 pages. And it really breaks down how I started my podcast and shares some of the wisdom that I have. So head on over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. 
And you will find all the information there about how to pick up your copy of this amazing bundle. So go right now just we'll, and, and come back. <laughs> Jumpstartyourjoy.com. On today's episode, I am so excited that I'm talking with Jennifer Lee. She's a business coach and author of Right Brain Business Plan and Building Your Business the Right Brain Way. It's such a great conversation. You guys, I had so much fun talking to her. We touched on what it's like to start a business as a creative or right-brained person, how to tackle the shoulds that come up as you follow your creative pursuit. So all those expectations that somehow either we put on ourselves or society does, we talk about that, what it takes to be a creative and have a sustainable business. And we also talk about a theme that keeps coming up on this podcast, which is purpose versus passion and how it comes into play. So without further ado, here is the interview with Jennifer Lee. Welcome to the podcast. Today we have an interview with Jennifer Lee. She is a business coach and author. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, Jen. Hi, Paula. It's great to be here. Yay! It's great to have you. (laughs) Would you like to tell us about what you love most as a child or in school? What were your early sparks of joy? Oh, goodness. Definitely, I loved to paint. So like one of my favorite pictures of myself from childhood is in my kindergarten art class, like we would have that in the cafeteria and I had my little pigtails and my red apron and my acrylic paints. And I just loved, loved, loved to paint and draw. I also really loved Pippi Longstocking. And <laughs> I wanted to be here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. You know, just creative stuff like that. I think one time I made like, I tried to make like a calendar out of taking pictures of my stuffed animals and different, you know, scenarios for the holidays or whatever. (laughs) So just creative projects like that. Yeah. That's wonderful. I love that. Did you share your calendar and like give it as a gift or? No, I don't think I actually produced it because I don't think the photos actually came out. But in my mind, it was really great. I love it. No, it's like, yeah, the pinup of the, the stuffed animal world. Yeah, I love it. That's so sweet. Because I was the kind of kid that had like a ton of stuffed animals. Mm-hmm. And yes, they were my best friends. For totally. sure. For sure. <laughs> <sighs> That's so wonderful. And what is it that you do now? And, and who do you work with? Yeah, well, I am a business coach for creative entrepreneurs. And I help them launch and grow their businesses in a creative and authentic way that really helps speak to their unique gifts. So, yeah, I love working with people who are creative, right brain, you know, a little different, who want to make a difference in the world and to really embrace what makes them special, what are their special gifts, and to use that as a way to, you know, help them stand out from the crowd and have the impact that they want to have on the folks they want to help. Mm, Yeah, well, and I imagine, or actually, I kind of know from having been a creative in my own way as a, as a coach, a podcaster, like there's probably a lot to break through just by what we've learned in school slash mm. my, what maybe we learn in business school, wherever we've been, but that teaches us there's a certain way of being to be an entrepreneur slash business person. What kind of things do you run into or what comes up for people as they start to use a right brain? Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting. You're, you're absolutely right that we get like drilled into us. Yeah, I guess from school or, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, what what have you, that we need to do things a certain way that, you know, there's this traditional way of approaching business and you need to, you know, do this formal business plan and all this stuff that feels like these big, heavy shoulds. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of times when, you know, people come to work with us, 
doing right brain business plan stuff or, you know, working on their creative business, it's like giving a big permission slip to say, you actually get to do this in your own way. You get to bring your, your passions, your gifts, your whatever excites you and how you like to express yourself. Those are like really the most valuable tools in terms of understanding what your gifts are and how to share them in a way that feels good to you. And that really resonates with your peeps. And it's kind of like, you know, you need to let go of chuck all that stuff that you think you should be doing and really trust yourself, trust your own creative process because it's not a linear process. I mean, running a a business I feel like it's actually a very creative process and totally nonlinear, even though you might have goals, you might have, you know, this vision that you want to hit and outline some steps to get there. It never happens the way that, you know, you plan it, you plot it on the calendar. There's Mm -hmm. always twists and turns. You need to be able to, you know, respond to things if it's not quite working or you find a new way to do it and innovate. It's very twisty turny, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I love, too, that you said, because probably the shoulds keep coming up. Mm. Well, actually, again, (laughs) I know they keep coming up, like, in ways that, well, I should do it this way. But then there's that sense, too, and it's probably partly a multi-passionate instinct, meaning people, if they're new to today or this week's (laughs) series that we're doing, it's around multi-passionates, which are folks that have so many interests and aren't really, like, there's not just one thing that they want to do. We're all very interested in following lots of different things. And, and that's what gets us excited. So go back to the website, jumpstartyourjoy.com and you'll find some more, but, but it's probably definitely a way of what multi-passionates think differently. And so if we're following all the shoulds, then we're going to get off of maybe what really makes us unique in our ability to integrate and what kind of aggregate ideas and then make something new. Yeah, because there's so much of the like self-judgment that's happening and then people just stay stuck, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's being able to move past that and focus on, well, what is the impact that I want to make? Yeah. 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 And it can be super hard if you're listening to all the shoulds (laughs) to get there. Oh, my God. There's so many, right? Yeah. (laughs) And they're all like, sometimes they contradict each other. And, you know, what do I do? Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, they do contradict each other, especially when you maybe get new information based on people saying they love A, B or C that you've been doing. And you're like, oh, that wasn't even on my roadmap. Like, Mm -hmm. Let's go explore that. And that's where the creativity probably comes in. Is that part of the right brain process? Definitely. Like seeing where there's energy, you know, what's resonating with you, like what excites you. And then you're also hearing feedback from, you know, the people you want to be serving. So definitely finding those sweet spots is important. Mm, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) That's the way to go. I love it. So you also made a fairly significant career shift from being in a corporate role, I believe, to then becoming a coach and an author. And it seems like your path was one that you, did you start out coaching and then you made a shift to going full-time on your own business? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I'm actually celebrating my 10th year anniversary of leaving corporate in June oh, this year. Exciting. Mm-hmm. Yay. Congrats. Thank you. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, in terms of like my transition, so I was in corporate roles for about a decade in various industries and such. And I think it was in 2000 when I had my first coach, like I hired a a coach and I was like, wow, this is really awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I want to 
help people like this one day. And then I took, finally took the coach training in 2003. And then it wasn't until 2006 that I actually quit. So, you know, it took me a few years of building up the courage to do it and certainly, you know, coaching on the side. It was actually great to do the training while I was in my corporate job because it made paying for the training a lot easier. (laughs) (laughs) But certainly it was a lot to juggle time-wise, you know, because I had a pretty demanding job. But yeah, it did take me a while. And it wasn't like I quit because I had the, you know, coaching practice all filled up and the brand ready. It was because I had had enough of dealing Mm. with something that wasn't in alignment, you know, with as I was getting more experience doing the coaching and seeing the impact that I was having and like the stark comparisons with just the work that felt really not authentic or not like I was able to make the impact that I wanted to make, you know, in my Mm -hmm. role. So, yeah. So in 2006, I had to say bye. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I want to, I think Michelle Ward sometimes says, I want to highlight and underline and like, you know, Mm -hmm. put stars around that. Like, because it's so interesting. I think there's that impression, and I'm not saying specifically, obviously, of you, but like of people that move into their own entrepreneurial venture, where it's that they're going along, going along, and then like there's a perfect, smooth path that is like a clear exit and everything's lined up and you've got all these clients and, it's, mm. a, you know, a, well, like an already existing, supporting coaching practice. And I've, I didn't, I mean, my path sounds a lot more like yours where it was like, yeah, I'd actually had enough. So it was time to go and then kind of feeling my way out of it and, and then growing a lot more after I was able to leave. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I left, so 2000, it was halfway through 2006, the rest of 2006 was just detox, you know, <laughs> like trying to recover from all that, you know, stress I put myself through and doing more artwork and then it probably wasn't until like 2008 where things really started gelling together you know 2007 was end of 2007 I had done some branding work and you know starting to build up more of the clients again I was leading groups but yeah it was 2008 I would say it's probably when it was like oh yeah I, this is working like this is good <laughs> and still you know it was it was still not, you know, it took a while to get to, you know, the other milestones that I've hit. But, you know, it wasn't like, yeah, June 2006, and then July, like everything was going great. <laughs> it took <laughs> like a year and a half to really get my footing and even longer to really get it to be a sustainable thing. Yeah, I love hearing that because I do think there's that around so many things, not just like a shift into being an entrepreneur. But I think there's so many things like, you know, people even with rock stars they think oh they just came out of nowhere but like no one really looks or a lot of people don't really recognize that you know they they sang in I don't know small halls and you know open for minor bands and then finally they got discovered or made it work to the point where people exactly yeah yeah we think overnight success and all of that it's like you don't know of the years and years before, you know, of things that didn't work out or just wasn't, didn't have the momentum or whatever. Yeah. We're still trying to figure it out, <laughs> all that stuff. And you know what? It's still an ongoing process. It's not like I have everything figured out now. I'm actually in a place of like, okay, what is next? It's been, you know, 10 years since I've left and I've hit a lot of the goals I wanted to hit. And 
you know, what would be what would be the next exciting thing? And I actually don't have like a super clear answer of that, which mm. is quite an interesting place to be in, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And that seems a little, it, does it get a little meta for you where it's like, are you, are you going back to your, your own like right brain toolkit to kind of dig in or what does what your process look like as you navigate the next steps? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, let's go back to basics. And even mm-hmm. I think it's kind of in the ether of people who are kind of, you know, their businesses are more mature. They've you know been doing this for a while and it's like, okay, yeah, what's next? And it's a, it is an interesting place to be in and it is connecting back with what brings you joy, you know? So, I, last year in 2015, I got a studio space and so I've been doing more painting. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like going back to basics yeah, (laughs) and connecting back and just paying attention to, okay, what, you know, what's really lighting me up? um, How might this fit in? And I don't have all the answers. I have inklings. So again, it's just following those inklings because that's when I did my right brain business plan. That was like on a whim. It wasn't because I thought, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to like write a book about this and people from around the world are going to use it to grow their businesses. <laughs> like, I, mm-hmm. I was just on my kitchen table doing an art everyday challenge and I did it for myself. And it, when I shared it, people were like, that's really cool. And it resonated and it just kind of organically grew from there. So it's not like I had this whole thing mapped out. I mean, of course I had, I want to write a book someday. I want to, you know, yeah, have be a thought leader, all that stuff. But in terms of like the specifics of how it would happen, you know, no idea or it hasn't really, it didn't happen the way I thought it might have. And it's like even better. <laughs> so I'm just yeah. staying open to that. I love it. Yeah. I love that, that you had opened yourself up to kind of curiosity and, and just following your, maybe even your muse of like, okay, where's this going? Let's just get creative and see what happens. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of like saying, okay, it's going to be this (laughs) again, even going back to like what maybe what our traditional models are um, that, you know, well, you've got to, you've got to sit down and write. And and there's something to that, like being creative, even when you maybe don't necessarily feel like it, but yes, but, but also not like you're going to write a business plan and it's going to go this way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's not going to work. It hasn't quite yet worked for me either. Yeah. Well, in the way that I would plan it. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So part of your focus is in helping right brained slash creative people navigate the business and entrepreneurial world. What do you think? I mean, we've talked a little bit about what's different, but do you have like some top observations around what do you think is different about people who are right brained and are realizing like either they want to go into business or that they want to make their creativeness be more of the core of what they are doing for, you know, making a living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, again, it goes back to the permission part, like giving themselves permission to like actually enjoy their work and, and infuse like the things that they love to do and are passionate about into their work. The other thing, too, we've talked about the multi-passionate piece, you know, in the programs that I run, it's we just did like an orientation not too long ago and people were introducing themselves and it's like, you know, I do this and then I also do this and then, you know, and we're like, yep, you're in the right place. This is pretty typical. And so finding ways to use that, you know, as a strength rather than like, oh, I'm all over the place and being, you know, super judgmental about it. So I see that happen a lot and it's, you know, 
it's just one way that we're keeping ourselves small because we can make it work for ourselves. And all those things don't necessarily need to be the thing that bring in the income. They could just be the thing that feeds you. Your soul, you know, doesn't necessarily Mm, need to be. I think there's always people have this sense of like, oh, well, I love all these different things. How do I blend it together? And I remember when I was first starting out, I'm like, I love the coaching. I love art. I love yoga. How do I make that all into one brand? And what are the offers? And like, trying to force it together yeah and that doesn't really work it, you know it's kind of seeing where are the natural intersections and sometimes it's more subtle like I don't teach yoga classes even though I'm certified as a yoga teacher and I still bring the idea of groundedness presence you know connecting with your body have that be a tool or instrument for you so it's like subtle ways that it shows up and that's you know that's cool too yeah. Ooh, and I love that part too because I know like my own background is well education wise was religious studies. But then trying to figure out how did that play and I I blogged about religion and was a retreat leader at a, at a Franciscan retreat center for a while. And and how does that play? But that that wasn't that wasn't it. But it was that subtle piece. Like there was training there and there's there's a sense of presence and connection with something bigger than ourselves. And yeah. that then I can pull into coaching. Mm-hmm. And it's but yet the piece of, and I, I think I said this in maybe episode 36 or something, but like the piece of wanting to be a Christian blogger didn't resonate. Mm-hmm. That wasn't me. Like, yeah. It's it's beautiful. And, and some people do a great job with it, but that wasn't what the calling was. So I love that you say that they're pieces. Yeah. And then maybe as a multi-passionate, we explore them to the point that we're like, okay, I got it. But then there's this question of how do I integrate it with the other things that I want to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it could just be that it's sprinkled throughout here and there. And it's not like super obvious to people, mm-hmm. you know, looking in from the outside, but it's a way that you're integrating it. Mm, I'm just grinning. <laughs> I think it's hard to have been and be the person that like has so many interests. I mean, and I've integrated this in, in now and recently realized like, yeah, well, that's probably why was there was something in it that I needed, but that I don't have to use it in its totality. What do you think are the hardest parts about being a multi-passionate in running a business? I think it makes it hard for people to prioritize. You know, it's kind of like the bright, shiny object syndrome. And there are certain things when you are, you know, running a business, like truly treating it like a business. There are things that aren't as sexy that need to be taken care of, you know, so finding the time to do that or being able to delegate it. Um, So one of the things that I think, especially newer people who are multi-passionate, they're so hungry, like, oh my God, I have all these ideas. I want them to all happen now. And there's kind of this frenzy of wanting everything to be launched right away and now. And that can that can work if you are really pushing yourself super hard, uh, but that's not sustainable. And, you know, for someone who's maybe like working on maturing the business, growing the business, you might want to be more strategic about the things that you pick and go after and how they might feed into the next thing. So I think that's one of the challenges of being a multi-passionate is like, okay, which which of the passions do I focus mm-hmm. on first and how do I maximize them? And knowing they don't all have to happen now. Yeah. They really don't. Um I think it kind of goes back to that conversation we were having about like, oh, you look at these musicians and they have all these like platinum records or whatever. It's like, well, they didn't produce those all, you know, in one month. It was probably over the series of years. And then you see their entire 
portfolio, for lack of a better word. But we oftentimes will see people that we admire and they have all these different products and services and like people want that now. Um, They want to have all their different passions represented, but it really is like one thing at a time. And then over time, those build up to be, you know, all your different offerings that might span across different interests. Yeah. Yeah. And the, well, the analogy of the musician, I think, is so, like, it's it's great, too, because as you were saying that, I'm thinking, like, Prince probably was arguably a multi-passionate, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And the idea, too, that he also, I mean, we know there's a vault of songs that no one has ever heard. And getting, like, the kind of idea that each of us may also have this vault of things that, like, it just never gets released, but yet we did it for ourselves. Like, that mm-hmm. seems very key and, like, I don't know, almost a hallmark of being multi-passionate, that there's those pieces that you're going to dig into and love and create just to create. Exactly. Cause those might then inform something else that, you know, is for public consumption. Yeah. 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 So cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what has been your inspiration? I know it's, it can be stressful to be a multi-passionate in business. Like, so what's been an inspiration or how do you keep going? Even if at some points you felt like, I, I don't know if you've ever felt like quitting, but if you did, what's been your inspiration to move you along? Um, certainly connecting back with my creativity, like I was saying, you know, investing in getting a studio space, it really makes no sense business wise. (laughs) It's not like I'm selling my paintings. I'm not creating them, you know, commercially. It's really for me to have a creative practice and to have a way for me to express, you know, whatever emotionally stuff I'm going through or just to have fun and play and go back to that kindergarten self that really loved Mm. art class. Um, So creating space for that. And then also just space in general, like that's been something I pushed myself really hard to, you know, grow the business to where it's gotten. And it's also like, okay, well making sure I take time to take care of myself, all the self care practices um, and having that be okay and have that start to have, you know, a priority as well, because that's actually more important in the grand scheme of things. Mm. So that's, it's about, you know, conscious choices. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of space have you found is helpful for yourself? Like you're saying, kind of to give yourself, I don't know, probably room to both be creative, but also to care for yourself as you go. Mm-hmm. Probably since 2008. Eight, I think I've been practicing what I call self-care Fridays and those Mm. are where I don't do any meetings you know I don't do like client work calls that kind of stuff and I'll oftentimes go to my studio or just have lunch in my backyard or go on a hike with friends so that's been a really important practice for me and when I don't do it uh, when I start you know infringing on my own self-care Friday it's not pretty (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's been helpful. And then just like having, yeah, like just taking better care of myself and not always like, it's funny because I left corporate, right? It's like I I was really driven and ambitious in my corporate career. I wanted to hit a certain salary, hit a certain title. And when I left that and start my own thing, it's like, well, yeah, I get to do my own thing and I get to do it the way I want it. And there is an element of like, oh, well, I want to, you know, hit these certain milestones. I want to be a best-selling author. (laughs) It's like all the same stuff. It's like you can't escape. So I've been like retraining myself to be, you know, enjoy what is so and 
to not have to like work so hard in order to have what it is I truly want. Yeah, it's hard. It probably goes back to some of the like traditional expectations on all of us that that things look just like this and that we get we get that drive or we're born with a drive. Yeah. Like it's just insatiable. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I think there's, I think there's no escaping it really for me. So it's just like, well, how do I work with it? Yeah. In better partnership, you know, <laughs> but that's also part of this, you know, giving yourself permission because, you know, I thought, Oh, working for myself, that's totally giving myself permission to have it be any way I want. And yet, Look, looking back, it's like, oh, I still was operating under these external expectations, the way I should be, you know, this is how you should be successful. So I'm in that process of like redefining that for myself and giving myself permission to have that be different. And I think it's been really helpful. I mean, that's a lot of what I've been sharing with the people I work with in my mentorship program. And I think it's been like, a breath of fresh air for people, you know, to be able to still work on their business and love it and to not have it take over because I see that happen so much. And it's actually really disheartening because, you know, like we go into business because we love what we do, we're passionate. And then it's like for some people driving them crazy because they're holding themselves to these external standards and yeah. uh, time frames that are so unrealistic, you know? So going back, trusting yourself. Yeah. And knowing it's a creative process that takes time. Yeah, I love that too, that it is the creative process. Because mm-hmm. I think even having left, I mean, I know of my own self, yeah, there's still this idea that I should be working nine to five. I mean, literally those hours. Also, <laughs> it's, not, it's not more. I well, yeah, mean, come exactly. on, you <laughs> know my inner critic (laughs) well yeah because she says that I should stay up because I used to stay up every night well I was you know because I also did the double like yeah trained to be a coach and then maintaining a blog and starting a podcast like all of that so I would stay up till one or two and that wasn't unusual so so yeah the inner critic likes it when I stay up that late still (laughs) I know yeah yeah like I've untrained myself I haven't done that in quite a while which is amazing yeah yeah, I used to operate that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how did you want to train yourself? Well, you know, I ran into some health issues. <laughs> that's yeah. like a rude awakening. Yeah, I think that's that's probably been the thing that's helped me reconsider, you know, like, oh, this isn't really, this isn't, my body's telling me something different, you know. So, right, yeah. and that this is not sustainable. No. <laughs> It seemed like it was working for a while. Yeah, and I was re- I really plowed through it. I mean, I so I have like an autoimmune kind of issue and I get joint pain and fatigue. And it's incredible. Like I wrote my second book still dealing with a lot of that stuff and traveled a lot that year when it came out and looking back it's like I yeah, I can't do that to myself again. Not good. Yeah. 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 Are you feeling better now? I am. For the most part, I mean it comes and it goes, but certainly I haven't had a, those days where I'm like, I just need to stay in bed. So that's been good. Yeah, that is good. Well, so yeah, you mentioned about your mentorship program a little bit. Do you want to explain how that works? And if somebody, if the ears perked up, like what you guys do and who it might be for? 
Oh, yeah. Thank you. So the mentorship program is my 10-month group coaching program. And I think this is like the sixth time we're running it. And it's really for creative entrepreneurs who are wanting to really grow the business. So they already have a business in place. And it's really learning how to connect with the right people and how to make the offers that are really authentic to them that feel good. We talk about launching. So it's kind of all those basic things about growing the business but doing it in the way that works for you. So we're so not like, here are the 10 steps to, you know, create the blog that then helps you launch the thing. Like, it's not that. It's more here are the concepts to be thinking about and to help you think for yourself about what's going to work best for your business and to have fun with it too, (laughs) you know? Um, So it's kind of like this idea of taking your business more seriously and still having fun. So, you know, we cover some of the left brain pieces, pricing and, you know, with the launch plan, having it be a little bit more like buttoned up, you know, because I think a lot of times people are really loosey-goosey about it. They're like, well, I tweeted about it. How come people didn't sign up for my thing? Well, (laughs) there's a little bit more that goes into it, but there's not like, here's the template to follow. So it's like finding that balance in between. And a lot of it, too, is being around a community of people who get that. You know, it can be very isolating being a creative entrepreneur, you know, out on your own, especially if your current circles are maybe from your corporate world or your family just doesn't get it. Like, what are you doing? So it's a safe place where, you know, people can share the challenges they're having, what the inner critic just said to them, you know, (laughs) get it kicked to the side by their fellow cohorts. So that's like the, the group coaching part. And then there's levels where you can get more one-on-one support. So the shining star and shooting star and part of it includes some coaching with me, some virtual masterminds where you get to be like have your CEO time for this all day mastermind. You get feedback from your fellow um, stars and it just is really powerful in terms of the shifts that can happen for people. And, you know, I just, I adore working with people who are so passionate about what they do and want to make a difference and are willing to do the work. Like it's hard work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard work to do the stuff, but then I think it's even the more challenging thing. And I think the more important thing is like what I call the work of the work. So that's like the really, what is underneath this? What's driving you? How do you make it work for you and making those you know, tough decisions about what does success really mean? What am I willing to do or not do? to really stay true to that. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like there's so much, there's so much valuable information in there. I mean, I love the part because there's something about community because if you feel alone, it's very hard to keep motivated and yes. And, and also, I mean, maybe like listen really to your, your intuition. It may be easy to go off track and, and be like, well, I pinned everything. Like, exactly. you know, like well, what were you doing in Pinterest? Exactly. All yeah. the shoulds become very seductive. They feel like the thing you need to be doing. And so it helps to have that, you know, outside perspective or the kick in the pants. Like, no, Paula, you said that this was really important to you. Like, you yeah. know, what have you done around that? So there's a, a, all sorts of accountability. We have like these Monday, Wednesday, Friday accountability posts where, you know, the coaches are checking in to make sure that you're on track. And if something got in the way, well, let's talk about it. You know, yeah. maybe you don't need to do it anymore. And, you know, wasn't the right thing or like, oh, this inner critic is just really at your throat. Let's do something about that and have you reconnect with why, mm. why you're doing what you're doing. 
you know, and I just, I'm like, ooh, this is so great because if what I love is I'm not really great with, like, I don't like people telling me what to do or like, I'm not really an external accountability person, especially mm-hmm. when I feel like it's going to be like, well, you said, right? Like nobody yeah. really, well, maybe some people need a taskmaster. that, but yeah. But, yeah, but I love that you're digging into the why behind like, OK, well, why if you didn't happen, there's probably a reason. So let's look at why, like not judging, but it exactly. sounds like, but like what's behind it? Because there's probably something juicy back there that yeah. may give you more information about exactly. purpose. Yeah. Ooh, it sounds good. OK, and where would somebody find out more about the mentorship program? Um, you can go to rightbrainbusinessplan.com slash mentorship and the information's there and we're enrollment is open through the end of May. So there's still time to jump in. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. And I'll link up all of that information in the show notes, of course. That also brings up and kind of ties into an interesting conversation that started with, with Laura Sims around kind of purpose versus passion. Because mm. one of the great things that she brought up and then the, actually another podcaster continued the, the discussion about is like, how does passion, passion's important to tap into, but I think Laura's big thing was around, it often fizzles out. And so really the better thing to find or the thing that you also need to tap into is purpose. Mm-hmm. And like, how do you, how is it sustainable? So I guess, how do you see either through the mentorship program or just in your own life, like how do people tap into that or what is the balance of kind of passion and purpose? as a creative right brain entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like the passion can create that initial spark for something, you Mm -hmm. know, like, Oh, like this really excites me. And it's like, if it's not tied to something that like is important to you, like, or what you really value or you're taking a stand for, like a lot of, you know, what I talk about in my program and in my second book is this idea of, you know, what's your core message? And it's really that, what are you taking a stand for? Like, what is the difference you're wanting to make? What are the things that you so wish that people knew, you know, Mm. and that you want them to really have in their bones? And I think that is what can keep you going because it does get hard. You're going to come up against obstacles and, you know, the muse can be fleeting, the passion and the inspiration, you know, doesn't always have like this on switch and you can just flip it on. But if you are connected deeper into like, why is this important? Especially because sometimes it's even like, oh, my God, this is so important. It pisses me off that people aren't getting this. you know? <laughs> yeah. And that can create the, you know, the energy around it as well. I guess passion is the same way. People can be really passion, passionate about something. But I think the purpose helps to give it that depth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it seems, I mean, there's also that great thing in big magic, Elizabeth Gilbert, yes. but about like not burdening your, your creativity yes. to pay the bill. I know. Um, I was, so, so when I read that, I'm like, Oh, thank God she wrote this because <laughs> yes. I think there is the myth of like, well, you quit your, your job and you become an entrepreneur and it needs to like, be the thing that sustains you. And yeah, that's like the ideal and it doesn't happen overnight, you know, may need to still supplement with things and people uh, judge themselves about it. And there's so much should around it. And I hate, hate, hate seeing people really struggling in their business. Like they are not bringing in the income they want and they're so stuck. It's like, well, you know, you can go get another job (laughs) okay (laughs) because then you actually will unburden yourself from like all that should and like why and why is this not working 
and that could free up the energies that you could focus on growing the business from a healthier perspective. You know, it's like so much will shift. And I've seen people do that and it just makes such a difference. And actually they're able to get more done with their, you know, side business because they've created that space and support for themselves. So, my gosh, like it's it's so great that she wrote about that. So many people, you know, are reading that book, have read that book, and it's like, oh well, if Elizabeth Gilbert says that, then it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay to have another job while I grow this thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it does. It takes off some of the pressure. I mean, both having had her say that, but also getting getting another job, and yeah. that that there's no. Or there doesn't need to be any stigma, stigma around it. Exactly. There's such stigma. You know, it's I think about, well, I'm a horrible driver, but it's like, like there's this whole Uber thing and Lyft. There's like so many opportunities now for you to go and make money in other ways that are still pretty flexible. It doesn't, I think people get into that binary mode of like, well, I if this creative business doesn't work out, then I need to go back to my corporate job. And that's nah. not the only option. You know, you can be creative about how you, you know, have your your side gig or your good enough job or or whatever. Um, As it goes back to that purpose piece, it's like, well, I'm going to do whatever it takes to be able to share my gifts in in this way. And if that means getting a part time job at Starbucks, I can get health care or taking on this project that, you know, maybe I normally wouldn't have taken on, that's okay because it's going to help you um, actually do the the bigger work you're meant to do. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And not seeing it as an or, right? I think. Exactly. I, at least when I, I, what Michelle Ward was my coach for a while. And that was one of the big takeaways for me is it's, it's an and, right? You can be and, yeah. you know, a coach and a creative and like and the Starbucks barista and exactly just another part of the bigger picture exactly. and it doesn't whatever it is doesn't define you it doesn't mean you have to be it forever either exactly yeah and I always say like it's a temporary thing like if it's just you're in a, a bind you know maybe it's like a six-month kind of transition point so that you can get your feet back under you and that's that's okay it's like that's actually what needs to happen and do please do that for yourself and then do that for your your people because if you're not able to sustain the business then the people you're wanting to serve are really missing out yeah yeah and and I like what you said too about like the energy maybe sometimes goes strange on you if you're feeling like I mean I guess I'll speak into it but it would seem that if you put all of your pressure on this thing to make the money, then right. just the energy shift that you seem, I'm not going to say desperate, but that yeah. there's a different air about how you're approaching it. If all everything's tied up and you making the next sale of this thing. Exactly. It's all hinges on this. Oh my God. It hasn't <laughs> worked before. You know, it just, it's a downward spiral. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you, you've addressed it and like kind of called that, that out into the light because it's, I think it's something a lot of entrepreneurs go through of feeling like, ah, it's got to work or else. Yeah, exactly. It can be, you know, just the and, and then it can be temporary just to tide you over. Mm, Because the bigger picture is you getting your gifts out there and, you know, taking the stand for what you want to take a stand for. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to let that stand for itself because that was so beautifully stated. Well, yeah, is there anything else that you would like to bring up before we get to the last two questions? I don't think so. We've covered a lot of good stuff. We have, yeah. (laughs) It's been good, juicy stuff. 
<laughs> Thank you. So if someone listening has a big dream about how they can make a change in the world, what advice would you give them about bringing that dream into action? Oh, one of the guidelines from my second book is dream big, start small. Because we get so enamored by the big vision, like we want it to happen now. And then we get frustrated that we're not there yet. So it's always like start with a small step. The small step might just be like speaking it out loud, telling a, you know, a good friend or maybe taking a class or commenting on a blog post. I don't, you know, it's like really small things that then add up over time to get you closer and closer to the big dream, the big vision. Yeah. Yeah, because it's so easy to get into what I call end thinking of like, here's the big thing. And then it's so overwhelming that, of course, no, it, yeah. you can't get from A to B because it's not obvious what the steps would be at all. So, yeah. yeah. And oftentimes it's like taking those small steps. Then you're like, oh, OK, then this thing is next. Oh, and oh, this thing. And, right. you know, they inform each other as you move forward. Totally. Yeah. And sometimes the view changes, right? As you make a step closer to it, you can see more because you've learned a little bit more and things become clearer. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah. So last and most joyfully, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world or in other people's lives? Oh, goodness. I guess one of the things is to like pause. Kind of seems like a weird thing. It's like, oh, joy, you know, like just want to keep doing things. And actually sometimes in the pause is where you can connect with, oh, this is actually what needs to happen or this is what I need. So pausing, I'd say the other is surrounding yourself with supportive, inspiring people because, you know, the inner critic is always at the ready to say something. You know, that's just how it works. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Mine is. Yeah. <laughs> so making sure that, you know, you have people to lean into when you might, you know, lose sight of all your gifts and all your great things going on. And I guess the other would be, you know, making time for, for me, it's like my creative process, you know, however I want to express myself for other people, it might be maybe something more physical or, you know, whatever, but what's the thing that really brings you back to you and creating time for that? Oh, yes. <laughs> thank you, Jen. This has been just so, such a lovely treat to get to talk to you. And thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a really fun, Paula. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for that amazing conversation. And thank you to everyone for listening in today. I know we've covered a lot of ground, so I will point you back over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. If you want to look for the show notes, that's at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash Jennifer. And if you want to find out more about the multi-passionate must-haves bundle, that will be right on the homepage of jumpstartyourjoy.com. Head on over there. And I will also be highlighting and featuring all of the other interviews. If you liked what you heard about being a multi-passionate or about starting a business and being a creative, don't miss out on my Carls, who is also on this week, and Corey Huff, who is also on this week. So, so much goodness to listen to, along with those interviews with Michelle Ward and Emily Wapnick. I'll be on the homepage this week. So head on over, and thank you so much. If you want to subscribe, you can find Jumpstart Your Joy on iTunes, on Stitcher, and on Google Play Music. So be sure and stick around for more fun this week, and always, and until tomorrow. I hope that your day is filled with so much joy. Mm-hmm.